We appreciate you. Come on, we can do better than that. Thank you so much for coming so early. Those of you that set up and bring all this out, thank you. We appreciate you so much. Well, if you've got your Bible, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 3, reading from verse 16 and 17. And the title of my message is called A Productive Servant. A Productive Servant. I wanted to bring this to you today because I think it's really important for us. We've been talking about servanthood. And I I just think that if we're going to actually be fruitful in our walk with God, then there's a few things that we need to know uh, that we have to have sort of conditioned in our thinking and in our heart and in our spirit. So let's look to Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 um, and 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, it went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. In Matthew 12, verses 15 to 18, Jesus is around doing good and healing people. And the Jews are about to plan to try and kill him. And so, verse 15 says in Matthew 12, Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him. And he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. Another story in the Gospels where Jesus takes some of the disciples to a mountain and there two people stood with him, Elijah and Moses, and Peter wanted to make some tabernacles, some buildings for them. And then the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 9, verse 35, a voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. You know the words that are spoken over our lives are really important. Some of the words that have been spoken over your life and over my life can shape the direction, the choices that we make out and through our lives. For some of those words that have been spoken over us have become a hindrance to us, but for some others, those words that have been spoken over your life I've become a blessing and help you, propel you into your future. The Bible tells us that there is power in the words that we speak to one another. Some can give life and some can give death. How many of you know if you're married that you know when an argument erupts, the things that we say to one another has the power to hurt us or the power to encourage us? And it's same with our children and those people that we're friends with. The power of what we speak over one another is so important to our development in our walk with God and also with our choices and also with how we um, manage and process how we live in our lives. You know, many people, some Christians, and when we come to Jesus, some of the things we've experienced in our life, we have to begin to work through and work out. And so I want to ask you a question today. If I were to stop and ask you right now 
to write a phrase, and I would say to you, tell me what God the Father thinks about you right now. What would you put on that description? Because that is really important to your walk with God and what you are going to achieve for God in your life. If you're going to be a productive servant of God, you really need to live with understanding of what God thinks about you. I wonder if we could get all of your descriptions and put them on the screen. How many of you would be pleased to show us what you think God thinks about you this morning? And I would probably lose money if I was a betting man that I believe that a big percentage of what we would write is that we would not be sure whether God is actually pleased with us today or not. I'm not sure how you would think or that you are so confident of what you think your heavenly father thinks about you. And some of the things that will probably try and distort that is sometimes of what people have said to us and what you think about you what other people have said to us, and also what life brings at us is what will begin to shape us and begin to try and to control us of the truth of God and who he is and what he thinks about us. The Bible tells us that we have to fight against you know, strongholds. They are things that we have developed in our thinking which is untrue. And if you would, we would talk to one another long enough, all of us somewhere would have some stinking thinking in other words, we somehow have got things that's fixed in our minds, what we've been told by others, or we think about God and what we think we need to do about ourselves. It actually does not line up with the Word of God or actually God's character and what He thinks about you for your future. That's why the Bible says that when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. The first thing the Holy Spirit does when you give your life to him, he says that he will come and he will lead you into all truth. Because many of us, and some of us sitting in this church right now and some online, are living with a lie that we fix in our minds about us. That we are living with an untruth that actually shapes us and forms us the way we act and think about ourselves and what we want to do in life. And some of those restrictions is because we formed a vain imagination or a stronghold of actually of, of what the truth is. Not only of what, who God is, but what we can do in God. You know, if you're told long enough that you are no good, you end up believing that. If you're told up that you'll never achieve anything as a, as a younger person, you'll, you'll grow up believing that. And even though that you'll get saved, that still attaches itself to your, to your heart and to your thinking, to your mind. And every time that God wants you to do something for him, that will come up in your heart and your mind that I am no good. I'm not going to be able to do anything in life. So how could God use me in this? And it's a restriction in your life. Remember as a young, uh, young boy, um, and I remember um, someone saying to me that you are useless. Do you know how powerful that was? in my life and even as an adult that I actually believed that because it was an authority figure in my life that I loved that would say that, that said that and it stuck with me and I believed it. So any time that I was going to try and do something or believe something or achieve something that would remind me and say how can you do that because you are Useless, And you know what the biggest power was in my life was that I would agree with that lie. And many of you here today in this church and online, you are agreeing with a lie. 
there may not be actually from the Lord about your life and about what is in you and through you. And so I want to help you understand how you can be a productive follower of Jesus because there are some things that you need to leave today knowing in your spirit and in your mind about your heavenly Father. You know, when Jesus was doing his ministry, he had to know some things too. And it's really important that the voice that spoke to him was affirmation from his father within his life. He knew he was going to go through some things as a, as a productive servant for the Lord, for his heavenly father. So he had to have something established in his thinking about what his father thought about him. And you need it and I need that in my life. Because we make mistakes and then because of those mistakes then we go back to revert to actually well that is true. It's true that I'm not good enough and I'll never be that and I'll never attain to that because of life that is thrown at us and we, and we pull back and we, we lean back into the lie and the things which is not true about our lives. And those things will test you in your walk with God. But we all always have to lean into the character of God and the word of God and we must stick to that to as much as we can. The first thing that Jesus and you and me need to know in our walk with God is that we have been chosen by God. One well, the first things that the father said to Jesus was, this is my son who I love and am well pleased. The voice came from a cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. So the thing is, if you don't know that God has chosen you, then you will feel inferior to everybody else when they have different gifts to you or different results from you and you think you're second class. And you know, I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a situation where someone's had to make a decision of choosing you or somebody else for something? And you've not been on the good end of the choice. Ever felt what that feels like? Nobody's agreeing with me in this place because everybody's been chosen for something. Not been chosen for a team, not been chosen in a, in a relationship. You fancied somebody and unfortunately they didn't like you and so you felt rejected. You've not been chosen for a job. You've not been chosen for whatever it is that you've applied for and somehow you have not been chosen. I remember as a little 12, 13-year-old teen, going into teenager, I was so overweight and I used to try and play football, but do you know what? When I hated it, and I hated it when they would go on the football pitch and they go, right, two captains, the two best players, would always walk out from the crowd of young men and then we go, right, we're going to pick our team. And I, I knew, I knew that I was going to be the last person in that crowd because they would never pick me. Why? Because every time I would play on Saturday, I'd always be the one that, oh, come on then, we'll have you because nobody's chosen you. Do you know how that makes you feel? I don't want you to feel sorry for your pastor today. But let me tell you something. As a young 12, 13-year-old teenager growing up, you know, thinking about, you know, that you would never get chosen because not only I was overweight and nobody wanted me on their team because I would not compliment their team. So, so think about it. You're useless and nobody wants you on their team. And then you get saved. 
Everybody tells you what great things you can do for God and you're supposed to be got it all together and the spirit of God's in your life and God has changed my life and I've been set free from certain things but I'm still carrying around some things in my heart and my spirit and my mind about you're useless. And I, I remember as a young child of how embarrassed I was and how shy I was and I couldn't talk and I couldn't communicate and I would want to hide. And do you know I still have bouts of that now? 57 years of age I still have bouts in my life that I want to hide and I have to deal with it I have to confront it and I don't confront it with my own performance because some of you you, you counteract how you think about yourself by what you do but the problem is that is when you fail in what you do then it reinforces what you think about yourself and the only way you can counteract what you think about you is the word of God and what God thinks about you. And number one is that you are chosen by God. You are not an afterthought. You're not something that was on the team and never got chosen. Oh, well, because nobody's chosen you, then you can be a part of my team. No, you was in God's mind before the creation ever was even brought into being. And he chose you for a purpose for your life. You know something, it says that in, in Ephesians that you are hand-picked. It means that when you've ever, ever been to the market, this was one of the biggest market towns in the UK, have you been to the fruit stall and you go, I don't know about you, but you, when you go to the fruit stall, there's all apples and there's oranges and, and then you, you begin to choose out of all the, the, the big bowls of fruit which fruit you want. And that's what that word means, that you were hand picked, that you were chosen by God. That, that, and for you today, you need to know how much God loves you and has chosen you, that you are not an afterthought in his mind and in his project and his purpose for your life. And if you don't know you're chosen, when things happen to you, when life hits you, then you're going to be off guard. Jesus needed to hear those words of affirmation from his father. And I know that some of you have maybe fathers and mothers in your life and you've never had that kind of affirmation. But God the Father wants to give you that affirmation over your life. And you have to leave here this morning with what God speaks over your life. He has to have the loudest voice in your ears as you leave this morning because what will shape you is your your circumstances, the things that's happened to you in your life. And what's so hard is the challenge of what God is to you, what he says over you, what's happened to you in your life. And we have to challenge that and we have to fight those battles in our life. See, before the creation of the world, listen, before you, God even decided to bring you here on this planet, he was preparing the world for you. As I preached a few weeks ago about the sun and the moon, you know, God created 200 billion known stars in the universe and the sun and the moon and the water and the animals all in preparation for you. He didn't just make it just for himself. He made it all so the word would function. So when you turned up, it would be a blessing to you. For some of you that's, that's going to have, a, you know, you're, you're going to have a new baby in your life. What do you do? You prepare the room. 
You make sure you get the clothes ready. You want to know, is it going to be a girl or a boy? And you get everything prepared. And that baby has no idea that you've been working your guts out and you've been preparing, thinking about names. And when that baby turns up, it's, it's into an environment that's already been prepared for it. And the God has done that for me and you. God sent those stars in the universe and called them each by name. And because of his great mighty power and strength, not one of them is missing because of you was in his mind. Did you know that in, your, in, in our world right now, <coughs> scientists' most accurate ever estimate, there is 8.7 billion species right now in our world. About 1.2 million species have formally been described However, there is those that are not described and it would take to catalogue those species a thousand years. And God created all that for you and for me because he chose you. And he chose you because of his grace, not because of your performance or your education or your bank balance or your degree. He chose you because he chose you. He chose, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I have chosen you. You weren't looking for God, but God was looking for you. The Apostle Paul says, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. See, it doesn't matter where you've come from. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. And God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things. And the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. God decided about calling you and you never asked his permission. You did not perform. You did not do one thing to earn any credit for God to choose you. So why do you still keep trying to please God by your works and not by the truth of his grace? And from the grace, you produce works. And you live under guilt because one week you do good for God and one next week you don't and you think God doesn't love you and God does love you. I am saved and I'm not saved. And you live in torment and turmoil because you're not fixed on God's love for your life. You need to know what he says about you and thinks about you. But we struggle because we're fallen and we have experienced life from other people that we cannot understand. We have a challenge that we're not good enough, so how can God have chosen me? And how can God love me? And how can God like me? The Apostle Paul in Acts 9 says, I've heard many reports about this man, Ananias said, and all the harm he has done to your holy people, Jerusalem. Here's a man who was a murderer. And this is what God said about him. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call upon your name, Lord. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles. I don't care where you've come from, what you've done in your life. I want to say if you're thinking, how can God have chosen me because of what I've done? I want to tell you, God has chosen you. And it doesn't mean to justify what you do, but God can forgive you and cleanse you. 
but that doesn't stop God from getting hold of your life and making you into a vessel for his glory. This man was killing the church and God got hold of him and chose him and changed him so he could begin to live life for the church. God has chosen us. But what you need to know in your life is that when life hits you, when circumstances hit you, that you wonder if actually God loves you or he's chosen me and why this happened to me. That's why Jesus needed to hear these words of affirmation from his Father and that's why you need to hear them today that whatever you're going through right now, that your heavenly Father loves you, you are chosen and he is well pleased with you. See, Jesus said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. But you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. You see, the problem with Christians is, and some followers is, we think if everything goes bad for us, then God is not for us anymore. And when anything hits our lives, we go, why God have you allowed that? And we begin to blame God of the issues. And there's nothing wrong in questioning God and calling on God. He can take it. He's big enough. Because we always think that it's actually God that brings the disasters to our lives or whatever it is, our, our turmoil or, or whatever it is that we're going through. And Jesus needs to know that when the world was coming against him and they was plotting to kill him, he needs to know Ruth in his heart and his mind that God was for him. That God was for him. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. I want you to know that as you're going to be following Jesus, be productive, that you have to run with a balance of knowing that life's going to come you and people are going to come against you. God is never against you. And if you're here today thinking, well, you know, God is the cause of my life right now, he's no, he's not. That's not right thinking. God is the answer to your life. He is always the answer. We have to travel through life knowing that God has chosen us. God doesn't cause the problems. He's always the answer to the problems. For you are a, pe a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possessions. Some of you say, well, that's Deuteronomy. That's just for the Jews. No, because in 2 Peter 2.9, it says, but you are a chosen people. He's talking about Jew and Gentile, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Do you know how much God cares about you? When you're going through pain right now, do you think that God is just not heartbroken about the way you feel right now? God chose you. Number two, God loves you. <clears throat> the biggest challenge that we have sometimes in our life is that because we don't love ourselves, we very find it difficult that anybody else would love us. But God loves you. Many of you think that love is a feeling. 1 Thessalonians says, For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that who shall ever believe and shall not perish but have everlasting life. Do you want to ask you something? Do you know what, what love is? Love is not a feeling only. Love is an action. Yeah. And God loves you because he decided to go to the cross for you. He didn't feel like it. How do I know that? Because he sweat drops of blood in the garden. 
And he said, if it's possible, can you let this cup pass from me? The feelings wasn't there to go to the cross, but because of his love, he decided to choose action. Ever you doubt that God loves you, you're always going to go to the cross. There was a monk who was announced that he was preaching on the subject of the love of God. As the shadows fell and the light ceased to come into the cathedral windows, the congregation gathered. In the darkness of the altar, the monk lighted a candle and carried it to the crucifix. First of all, he illuminated the crown of thorns, then to the wounded hands and then to the spear side of Jesus. In the hush that fell, he blew out the candle and left the church and said as he was leaving, there is nothing else to say. If you ever doubt God's love, you need to begin to read again of when he was willing to go to the cross and allow his blood shed for you because that was the greatest act of his love. I want to say to you today that you need to know that God loves you. All of us, Ephesians tells us, that lived among at one time to gratify the cravings of our own desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we're all nature objects of wrath. But because of God's great love for us, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our sins, it is by grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up and seated with him at the right hand of the Father. Do you realize that God loves you enough? He, want, he got a seat just for you next to him. Do you know how much God loves you? That he made sure that you are going to be seated right next to him. Why? Because you're not too far away from his reach. And if only you would leave today knowing that you've been chosen by God, that you are loved by God, you would be different. Because when life hits you, you have to know those things. When Jesus was about to be tempted, he went for the water, he heard the voice, this is my son and my love, I'm well pleased. He was about to face the 40 days of torture by the devil just after that baptism. But he needs to know in that wilderness when the devil begins to say, if you are the son of God, begin to bring doubt about his character, about his identity. He needed to carry with him into that wilderness and into that place where nobody could help him the truth of his father's words. This is my son whom I have chosen, I love and I'm well pleased. It's in those dark places where we've got to allow the truth of God's word to reign in our hearts and into our minds. It's in the time of hardship and disappointment that we cannot allow the lie and the accuser of the brethren to begin to accuse God, begin to, to blame God for what's happened in our life. The Apostle Paul says, I am convinced that neither life nor death nor an angel nor demon or present or any kind of trouble in all creation is able to separate me from the love of God. See, the Apostle Paul went through so much hardship but what he knew in his heart and, and his mind that he was chosen. And that he was loved by God. No matter what life throws at him, he knew that his God was for him. That's why he said, if God can, if, if the world can be against us, who can be against us? He said, if God be for us, then who can be against us? Who will bring any charge against those whose God 
as chosen. It is God who justifies. See, what's rooted in any productive servant of God is the truth of God, not your, not your production, not your good works, not your, your cleverness, not whatever it is that God's gifted you, but the truth of the truth of God's character and his nature and what he thinks about you as a child of God. That has to live with you because we fight with this all the time in our lives of contention of what God truly thinks about me. You see, Gideon had a problem hiding in a wine press. And the reason why he was in a wine press is because he had, a, he had a stronghold over his mind about God and also about himself. Pardon me, Lord. When, when, when the angel says, you're a mighty man of valor, you're going to do great things for me. He says, pardon me, Lord. Gideon says, but if, all, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where has all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us. The Lord had never abandoned him. The Lord sent him an angel to get him out to, to win. But he sat in a wine press living with a lie of what somebody else told him. And the only way to get him out of a wine press was to renew his mind on the goodness of God and what God saw in his life. And today you're sitting here and online and what you need today is a word from God to your brain and to your heart to think differently about what God thinks about you. But you always look to your, how you've lived your life last week and then you try and put that on what God thinks about you because you've not done this and you've not done that and you had an argument and you fell out with this and you shouldn't be leaving that and then you, you try and translate that. Listen, God loves you unconditionally. God has chosen you unconditionally. And finally, God is pleased with you. He says, this is, the, this is my son whom I delight. I believe this is a really difficult one for all of us. <clears throat> Do you know God likes you? <clears throat> and you argue with yourself right now in your mind and you argue with what I've just said about over your life right now God likes you and you're, you're trying to convince yourself that, that how can that be true because you know you and, and some of you don't even like yourself this morning online but I want to tell you if you don't like you and nobody else likes you God likes you God is delighted in you. Now, you might not be delighted in some of the things that you do, but don't allow what you do separate from you because God loves you. God delights in you and he is well pleased with you. It's like our children. They do things in their life that wind me up in my younger days. Now the teenagers, they still wind me up. And there's some things that I'm not pleased with, but I'm, I'm always pleased with them as my child. God knows that some of the choices that you make and he's well pleased with you. I'll ask you a question. What do you think God thinks about you today? Because that will determine whether you're going to be productive or not. Do you always live in shame and guilt and thinking I've got to keep approving myself that God will love me and, and use me and do something? See, see when, when you know in your heart that I've been chosen by God and it's nothing to do with my works, nothing to do with me. It was God's idea. 
When you know in your heart that he looks, oh, Evan Hopens this morning and his voice says to you, you know, Jason, I know you may not be, have done great. Maybe last week, there's a few things that you know you need to work on. But let me tell you this morning, I love you. You're my son. I have chosen you and I'm well pleased. If you would allow those words to penetrate your spirit, your life will change. Because we're no longer driven by fear and slaves to our own production, but to the truth of God's word. And I wonder today as I come to a close, as you get into God's word, you see the Bible is there to wash you. When you, get, you know, when the, when the priest went into the temple, they came to a, a, a water basin and there, and with mirrors in this water basin, and it would begin to, and that's what the word of God reflects. It's there to wash you and to reflect of who God is and what he says about your life. And that's why we have to live in the word daily. Because every day we need washing in the word. We need our minds renewing of what God thinks about us and what we can do in him and what he's done for us. And the Holy Spirit comes and cements that and walks with us and leads us and tells us what God thinks about us. And some of you are fighting with my words today because you're trying to grapple with what is happening in your life to say, how can God love me? And how has God chosen me? And how can he say I'm well pleased? Because the word of God is the truth. Romans 5 says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Understand with me. <clears throat> See, the thing is this, you, we can't manufacture this kind of stuff. The Holy Spirit has to bring this revelation and help and cement it into your heart as a child of God. And I don't know about you, but I don't know, just me talking today about my lone life and experience, that it may have brought some things in your mind of what people have said over your life. And what you need to hear today, you need heaven open, open and you need to hear the word of God over you. You need to allow his word and his Holy Spirit to wash you and to, to drown out those words that have attached themselves to your heart and your spirit and your mind about you and your future and your purpose and, 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 the, and, the, and the hand of God on your life. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to come and to begin to remove that garbage. Has to be a supernatural work of the Spirit. Begin to cement the word of life over you. You need to have heaven open over your brain and your spirit today and let God download his truth over you. Listen, you are chosen. You've got to leave with these three words every day of your life this week. You've got to wake up and you go, I am chosen. I am loved. And he's delighted in me. I am chosen. I am loved and he's delighted in me. You can't do nothing else but be productive for God. But that is a part of you. And yes, you'll make mistakes. And yes, we'll grieve with the Holy Spirit. But let me tell you, he'll never leave you. So Heavenly Father, you wanted those in this room and those online. You wanted heaven to open today. And the only three words that you wanted to put into their spirit 
and over their mind is that they are have been chosen by you. That you love them unconditionally because your willingness to give your only son. And thirdly, that you are well pleased, Lord, that you actually like them. Wow. Holy Spirit, would you do a work right now in, in the, all the sons and daughters of God in this home, in this room and online? Would you, would you unstick some of the vain imagination, some of the things that's been said over people's lives, which is not true? Lord, I pray for a detachment right now of anything that's traveled with them through life, even up to this moment that restricts them, inhabits them. And Lord, they are not true. That Lord, you would wash them fresh today. That you would unstick them. God is going to unstick some of you. Some of you are going to be free today like never before because God's got to unstick those lies that's been attached to your thinking. And Father, right now we release those people that have said things over us which is not true. And we, we don't hold anything against them and we release them, we forgive them because we know the truth. The most important person that we need to listen to is God Almighty and what He says about us. And that's your word. And so, Father, I ask you right now for every heart and every mind that you would open heaven and you would download, Lord, the truth over them right now, whatever they're going through, that you are for them. And you're right beside them and you will carry them. And you will change them. And you will equip them. And you will provide for them. And you will heal them. For this is your son and your daughter. See, the problem is in sometimes in our church life, we always say we're servants of God, but we're more than that. We're sons and daughters of the living God. We're family. We've been adopted. Holy Spirit, would you move? Would you unstick some things right now in our spirit? Only you can do this. Your word is sharp and active. And Lord, if there's anyone online or in this place that doesn't know Jesus Christ, I'll tell you in your life, no matter where you've come from and what you've done in your life, Jesus Christ loves you and he died for you to forgive you and cleanse you of all your sins and to bring you into his family and give you a brand new start. No matter what you think about yourself and maybe what you brought and you're thinking, how could God accept me? I want to tell you, he can accept you because he died for you on the cross. And if you would open your heart to him, and you allow him into your life, he will change you, he will wash you, he will forgive you, and he'll restore you. And if that's you in this church today or online, just call out to God from your heart right now, wherever you are. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you that you're willing to die on the cross for my sins. 
You took my shame. You took my sin. You bore it all on the cross. Thank you for showing your love to me, for giving your life for me. And now I ask you to come into my heart and into my life. I ask you to cleanse me from inside out. Let me receive your love today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Just lift your hands as we come to a close of our last song. We're going to have a celebration song because this is something to celebrate about today. Lord, would you let your children leave, let your people leave? what you really think about them today would you do that Lord would you receive it would you receive it by faith today we ask it in Jesus name